So happy Sunday, everyone. We're starting a new book this month. It's called Enough Already, The Power of Radical Contentment by Alan Cohen. And, uh, you know, some of you may know I'm teaching uh, spiritual economics. And uh, (laughs) it was kind of funny. I was telling part of the class uh, last week what we're going to be moving into in terms of contentment this month and the idea of sufficiency. And one of them said, now, wait a minute, let me get this right. So all last month in October, you're telling us how we can get what we want. And now in November, you're telling us how we should like what we have. (laughs) And I said, voila. (laughs) Because I would suggest to us all, it's kind of the secret of life. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give away uh, the whole talk, if you will, in the first two sentences, but it is kind of the secret of life to have that certain knowledge that we can, in our own minds, create a better tomorrow, a better future, and at the same time, to be hopelessly in love with our lives just the way they are. Now, I know this isn't always easy. I know that often we'll have the the bad day, and and sometimes the bad day will stretch into a bad week. And boy, I can think of some times in my life when the bad weeks stretched into pretty much a miserable year. And, and does that define us? Does that need, need to mean that we become that negative stuff going on? Does it mean that we need to embrace that or begin to think that when things go wrong, that we've gone wrong? I want to illustrate this with uh, something that, that came up the other day, and, and I had a good laugh. Well, <laughs> eventually I had a good laugh around it. So a good friend of mine, Colleen, was over, and, and we're, you know, having coffee and talking, and we were sharing about how Thanksgiving is one of our favorite times of years, and, and, and we were sharing a little bit about, um, you know, Thanksgivings from the past and kind of what it meant to us. And she said, oh, so she started to launch out into another little story, and she said, oh, she said, and shopping on Black Friday. And my initial reaction was, oh my God. And sure enough, she launched right into it and like getting all the flyers from all of the stores and cutting the coupons. And if you go to this place at 7 a.m., they actually serve cocktails first. And and you can, and no, apparently there's someplace that does. And, and if you go over here, just don't get over here after 10 o'clock because people will push in line because they have big tables of stuff and 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 don't go over here after 10 o'clock because all the good you know like door bust I mean I don't even know what some of these terms are but apparently there's something that's like a door buster deal that you have to get there I mean even be in line to get there because the things are priced so amazing but you don't even know what they are and well anyway You you can tell I may not be the world's best consumer, but but when she's telling me this story, and a part of me, it, here's you know a good friend of mine of of mine, and a part of me just starts to wither when she's telling. I mean, honestly, she's telling me this story of frantic consumerism and and credit cards, and you know, and I'm just. 
It was like it was hard for me to hear the end of the story. And, and of course, the minister in me, I try to have my minister self be a little different than my friend self, but sometimes it's just me. <laughs> sometimes it's just me. And so gently I said, Colleen, it kind of sounds you're ma- like you're making Christmas or Christmas shopping just into a madhouse crazy event with all this shopping and buying. And she saved my life because she said, it's not about the shopping. And often we don't even buy anything. And I went, what do you mean? And she said, oh no, this is just a day with my sister. It's the one day a year when my sister and I get together and we do something that we totally love. We leave the kids home with their dads, which is good for the dads and good for the kids. We go out for those cocktails, you know, the the spiked eggnogs first thing in the morning. And we have the best day ever. And, And maybe we might buy one or two things. But it's not about the buying. And I thought, oh, thank heavens. She really, she really is my friend. <laughs> but, but it reminded me, it totally reminded me of what's the point? What's the point of getting stuff? What's the point of having stuff in our life? What's the point of our life? Is our life based on acquisition? Remember in the, one of the early Star Trek series, they had the Ferengis that were all about acquisition. If, if any of you are Star Trek friends, the, the, the Ferengis had like the, the 285 articles of acquisition and they were like ruthless business people and no matter how you'd end up bouncing up against them, they would be smarter if it had to do with business, right? And, and you'd end up with a, a lemon or something overpriced or whatever and I thought to myself oh my gosh Uh, even at the time I was watching that I thought they're doing this on purpose this is a metaphor for American consumerism of course for American sort of cutthroat business and I thought to myself is that really what we've become is it just about acquisition when is enough enough That's the title of this book, Enough Already. When is enough enough? So Daniel and I were putting away our our summer furniture the other day. And, you know, we have a a, a nice deck with some summer furniture. And I was kind of looking, you know, sadly, the Anirondike chairs are going to need to be refinished this year. And we were looking at some, I'm looking up at the gutters that are filling up in the Anirondike chairs and some of the other stuff we're putting away. And I thought to myself, having all this stuff is a drag. It's like I love it. I mean, I totally love our stuff, our life, our home. And yet the overhead of stuff, if you really think of it, is amazing. And I'm really going to take a a good look at the next things I buy is the transitional pleasure of having that thing in its useful period is it going to be worth it to me over in the long haul? I mean, he was out power washing the beautiful new deck and, and we were working on, uh, on pruning some of the, the trees that we'd put in. And, and a lot of the maintenance, don't get me wrong, is kind of pleasurable. But also being at the top of a 25-foot ladder and restaining, you know, wooden deck chars, uh, it's probably pleasurable for somebody. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> but let me just own up to it. Probably not me. So when is enough enough? That's my question for you today. Do you know when you have enough? I think we could really use a good evaluation of enough stuff. When is enough enough around your possessions, around your things, around your home? When is the home? When is a home that's big enough too big? When is a, a car that's luxurious too luxurious in terms of maintenance or whatever? When is enough actually too much? So I'm using up all my Thanksgiving material too, right? Today, I don't know what I'll do in a couple weeks, but I also want to use the metaphor of literally Thanksgiving dinner today, right? And I'm going to start off by telling you my mom's theory of pies. So my mom's theory of pies is you find out how many people are coming to Thanksgiving dinner, you multiply it by 1.5, and that's how many pies there should be. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's no wonder all we can do is sit in front of the television set after dinner because we can't move. <laughs> we have had so much to eat. It's a little like our buying habits. At some point, we're not hungry anymore, and that's a good thing. At some point, we're fully satisfied and that's a good thing. And at some point, it's just heartburn. <laughs> at some point, too much of a good thing is just an upset stomach. So let's take a look in our own lives about this. The other thing I want to talk about today, though, is really satisfaction. It's really feeling the comfort in our lives that we have right now. So, so it's beyond taking a good look at whether we're acquiring too much. It's beyond the idea of what's really important in our lives, although the Colleen story reminds me of that, right? What really was important was her sister. It was spending the day. It wasn't the acquisition. Let me talk about... Another story here. Um, this one is one of those great uh, Zen master stories. A, a story tells of a Zen master who came home one evening, looked through his window, and saw a thief putting all of his possessions into a large sack. In Zen fashion, the master decides just to sit outside the door and meditate. On his way out, however, the thief nearly trips over the fellow, and in his haste, he drops an expensive bowl from the sack. The Zen master jogs after him. Wait, wait, you've dropped a bowl. But the thief sprints ahead out of sight. The master stops to catch his breath a bit. He looks into the velvety night sky. The stars are shining brightly. A stunning full moon is rising over distant mountains. I just wish I had given him the moon. What's important in our lives? See, I suspect it's not the stuff at all. The stuff, I think, represents something else. I think that when we fill our lives with stuff, we're really wishing that our lives were filled with something else. The stuff maybe represents a specialness, the stuff maybe represents love. The, the stuff may represent comfort. The stuff may represent beauty. But it's not the stuff. The stuff can all go away. Now, I don't know that I could have the equanimity to watch a thief literally carry this stuff away. 
But what I do know is the stuff does not define us. And the stuff ultimately will not make us happy, will not make us special, and will not make us feel loved. These come from in here. And what comes from in here endures. So how many here in the room have days where things don't quite work out right? (laughs) All right. Raise your hands. All right. Here's what Alan Cohen says about this predicament of things not going right. He says, all upset is the result of assuming that you know how life should be. You try to cram people and events into your model of the world, and when they do not fit, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, and you're angry. But you know what? Your idea of how life should be is just that. It's an idea. Usually, your ideas are authored by your ego, which sees only the tiniest piece of the overall picture. It's colored by fear. It begets non-productive results in almost every case. When you fight to swim upstream while your good lives downstream, you get nowhere. Would you believe me if I said that you can be content on your bad days? I think that's what the Zen master is trying to tell us. I think that's what Alan Cohen is trying to tell us. Certainly on our good days, feeling content, feeling, uh, feeling happy, feeling uh, enough in the world is probably an easy thing to do. But if it's true that the important things are on the inside, if it's true that the true merit of us, the true definition of us, the the true beauty and joy of us is here, not defined by, by whether I have a Prada bag or a certain kind of car or a certain size house or whether that lawn furniture is in its best shape or not, right? When we put aside that and really understand that the definition of who I am and what I am is right here, could I not also choose to simply be content with it? So there's also a theory that I have uh, seen wandering around that our true contentment comes here. Have you heard people talk about, well, really, things are going to get moving again once I finish paying off the student loans? That my life is really going to take off once the kids are out of the house, once they've graduated from high school, and oh my gosh, we'll have all that freedom. Really, I'm going to be happy when I get that promotion, because then we can start saving for the, the weekend house at the beach. When I'm really going to be content with my life is when finally retirement comes, and I can spend some time doing the hobbies that I really want and that really call to me. My contentment is just around the corner. I'm just waiting. (laughs) Contentment can only be experienced today. We cannot trust, we cannot assume, we cannot plan for contentment in any other time than today. Now, certainly there may be situations that will come up that might tend to have an environment in which potential commitment and contentment can be possibly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But we're like adding frosting on top of cardboard. It's like it, at some point it all just falls down. Who knows what you're going to be tomorrow, right? You might be retired and then be sick. You might be sick, and then, I mean, who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. 
assuming that you will be happy in retirement, assuming that you'll be fulfilled once the kids are off, assuming that a new job or a new partnership or, or after the divorce or whatever it is, assuming that then you'll be happy is just sheer craziness. You can only be happy, you can only be content, you can only find fulfillment in your lives, not even later today, but right now, right now. So I hope you're content. (laughs) How do we work on this together as a team? You know, I've been thinking about this a little bit. How as a community can we support each other both in this, uh, well, in this balance, not both, but in this balance, because it truly is a balance of looking into the future, putting our intentions on what we want to see, seeing our lives get bigger, get more beautiful, get more lovely, seeing ourselves in that expansiveness of more love and more life, and at the same time having an equal balance on being just completely satisfied with our lives right as they are. It's like that dual sense of, like if we go back to the Thanksgiving menu, uh, I idea it's like on purpose staying a little hungry it's enjoying all the food and staying a little hungry it's the understanding that tomorrow will be better the understanding that I can change my mind in such a way that will bring greater happiness that I can embrace and hold close to me a better way of life and there's no better way of life than right here and right now It may sound schizophrenic. So let us support each other. Let us figure out a way to support each other in the most delightful schizophrenia. Because I think this is the secret of life. It's how I started the talk. I think, I believe that the secret of life is perfect contentment and being a little hungry. It's being fully in this present moment recognizing that even on my worst day, there's great beauty in it. Even on my worst day, there's joy to be found. There are the quiet moments of contentment there, even as Linda's song portrayed, right? Even on our darkest day, the sky may be blue. The joy is there to be experienced on our darkest day. And at the same time, knowing that tomorrow's better, knowing that tomorrow All that we could want, all that we could choose is there for us. So I'm going to close with just a a tiny bit of homework today and a final quote from, uh, from Alan Cohen. My homework is, what do you really need to feel happy, loved, and special? What do you need? Is it stuff? Is it people? Is it just an inward knowingness? What do you need in your life, and think of it as an inside-outside kind of thing, what do you need from yourself, perhaps, to feel happy, loved, and special? That true sense of contentment in life. And the second part is, where are we making then our investment in the world? So ideally, our, our time and our talent and treasure ought to be focusing us in such a way that our true contentment and happiness will be maximized. So take a look at that. Look at it as a, a little bit of a uh, maybe a journaling exercise or a, or a contemplation exercise. What do you need to feel happy, loved, and special? Another way of looking at it might be, who do you need to be to be happy, loved, and special? What needs to maybe change on the inside? 
And are you investing your time, talent, and treasure in a way that that's apt to be focused on, to, to bring that up, to make that investment in yourself? I'm going to close with a final quote from Alan Cohen in a prayer, of course. Here's what he says about contentment. He says, contentment is not a bank balance. It's not a marital status. It's not a pot of gold you can reach at the end of some mythical rainbow. Contentment is a choice that you make. It's an attitude that you step into every day, and it's a state of being that runs deeper than any potential conditions. It is more available than you might think. What if you and I find a way to be at peace with ourselves, a peace with our lives, and at peace with the world right now? Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy. There is only one, and that one is God. And I'm a part of it. That one consciousness also describes my consciousness. That one life and that one joy is also my life and my joy to be part of, to embrace, to embellish. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the, the capability to experience more love, more life, more joy. That is that hungriness for what is yet to come. That is that ability to focus intentions on our good and move forward in acquiring that good. And at the same time, for each person in this room, I know that beautiful balance of a willingness to accept life just as it is, to find the happiness in it, to find the contentment in it, to see bliss even on some of our worst days. This is the balance, my friends. This is the, the life and the joy due to each person in this room. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for life. And so with a lot of love, with a lot of gratitude, I just let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you joined us today.